Well, good morning, One Hope. It's so good to be together, even if again it's on a video camera rather than in person. It's been so wonderful in the last few months being able to gather together and just be in the God's presence together, lift our voices, man. It's just been such an amazing encouragement after a really difficult year. So this morning, I'm going to preach out of Galatians 5, actually a continuation from last week, and then we'll sing at the end. We'll just worship together as we close. I want to encourage you, if you have not watched last week, to really go and watch that because I do a lot of exegetical work. So going through the text line by line in the sermon that I did last week and this week, I want to use that as a basis and um, apply it into our lives and talk a lot more practically around how the Holy Spirit guides us. So as we do that, let me pray for us as we begin and then I'm going to share some more out of God's word with us this morning. Father, thank you as we come to your word that it's living, that it's working in our lives, that we can actually apply it, that it brings practical handles in how we live out and walk out our Christian lives. Father, as we come to the time of year where many of us are tired and and ready for a rest, Lord, I just want to ask that we would rest in you, rest in the ways that you give us, learn to follow your ways. There's principles and so much that, that just wonderfully instructs us on how to follow you. I praise and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me, let me just say quickly the main ideas of last week. We're speaking around the Holy Spirit, Galatians 5. You, you'll know it well. The, the later verses is, and the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, etc. And that, that's the text that we focused in on last week. And the, the main kind of ideas that came out of it was that we have a new guide. We have a new guide in the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit creates, awakens brand new desires inside of our heart that without Him we can't have. So Galatians 5 and the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires in our hearts. So we we have a new way of living once we've come to Christ, a new guide to instruct us and to show us how to live. The second key idea that we had last week was that these can never be formed anywhere else outside of salvation in Jesus Christ, moralism, um, other religions, all of these things tell us what to do, but they don't enable us to change our hearts to be able to do what we need to do. That's the uniqueness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He comes and changes the very desires. We end up wanting to do life and things differently because of these desires. But then even in that, with the Holy Spirit inside of us, we just spent some time last week admitting how difficult it is. It's not easy to defeat sin. Galatians says it like this. There, there are two forces constantly at war within us. There are two forces constantly fighting each other is the way that Galatians says it. And then the last thing that we spoke about last week is that it takes time. That the metaphor of Scripture is is planting its fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is, says Paul 
in this text. And so it's planting seeds, waiting for the season to be right, waiting for rain, watching them grow, slow growth, harvest. It's much more the metaphor of farming than the metaphor of McDonald's where we just think we get saved and we drive to the next window and there we receive our kindness and there we receive our love and our joy. No, it's an ongoing, patient, enduring. So let me read the, the, the most of this text again this morning as we begin. I'm not going to go through it line by line. I'm going to take the ideas that we were working with last week from the text and I want to build on them in really asking very practically how do we grow in learning to let the Holy Spirit guide our lives. You might be saying, Paul, this sounds great. I want the Holy Spirit. I just, I don't know how to let him guide my life. I don't know how to walk with him. I don't know how to live in the Spirit. I don't know how to keep in step with the Spirit. All of those um, phrases are out of this text in Galatians. So let's read it together. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires. These are these new desires that I'm talking about that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Paul then speaks about the fruit of a sinful life or the sinful nature. Then he speaks about the fruit of the Spirit in verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit. Christians, one hope is, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. That's the question we're asking this morning. How do we do that? Follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. All right. Let's speak about these and I'll look at some of the verses we looked at last week. But I really want to also speak out of practical experience and lived experience of how we grow this understanding and this walking with the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so we see clearly in this text where Paul says in verse 16, so let the Holy Spirit guide your life. He says it in verse 26, 25, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. How do we do that? I'm going to give you nine handles this morning. And the first one is this. Remember, remember that if you are a true Christ follower, you have received the Holy Spirit already. You cannot come to salvation without the work of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Now, the reason that that's so important for us to remember is because some of us are waiting for a secondary infilling of the Holy Spirit before we believe that we can fulfill what Galatians, what Paul is saying here, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Friends, every single one of us at the point of salvation have the Holy Spirit and we are able to see this fruit growing in 
our lives. This is how one of Jesus' disciples, Peter, in his book, 2 Peter verse, chapter 1, verse 3, he says it like this. He says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. There's nothing else you need to live a godly life. And we need to remember that as we come to asking, well, how am I guided by the Holy Spirit? The second important thing is that we need to learn to obey the obvious things written in God's Word. Man, God's Word is so full of clear expectations of Christ followers, such as get baptized. Get baptized in water. It's simple obedience. Do it as soon as you can. If you're watching and you haven't been baptized, I want to encourage you. Get baptized. Another one. Find and be meaningfully part of a local community of believers. We never see anybody in the Word of God outside of a normal local church experience in the New Testament. Not willingly. And yet we seem to find that all over our Christian culture today. Practice generosity. Guys, this year has been a hard year for so many people. Are we obeying God's word and simply practicing generosity? These things don't require any special days of prayer, any long fasts to think about. Should we do these things? Should I be part of a local community of believers? Should I be baptized? The word of God is explicit. And the first steps in being guided by the Spirit, or as as Galatians says it here in verse 25, living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. The first steps in doing that are simply to learn to obey the obvious Word of God. Let me say it to you like this. If, If we don't obey the simple and the clear instructions of the Word of God, why do we think that we will learn to obey the more subtle promptings of the Holy Spirit. It's like someone who says they want to be a missionary in the Amazon or India or in these difficult places where they're going to have to learn other languages. And you look at at their life and you say, but you aren't even a missionary here. No one is coming to know Jesus through you here. How are you going to be a missionary over there? And there's this, there's this disconnect. And so the posture of our lives needs to be I want to obey you. I want to follow what you actually say. Then we are positioned to be ready for the Holy Spirit to guide us in more nuanced ways where we have to hear his voice and follow in these day by day practical ways. The third thing that I want to speak about is around this word desire. And I believe that there's a desire inside of us which ought to grow for more and more of the Spirit. We want Him to permeate every single part of our lives more and more on an ongoing way. But the Spirit won't just come and demand that in our lives. He's a gentleman. You might have heard that phrase. And He doesn't force his way in. It's something of our posturing and saying, I want more. I, I desire more. And one of my favorite old time preachers is, is A.W. Tozer. He was preaching 1930s, 40s, 50s, 60s. And one of his quotes just really struck me when I read it again this week and preparing for this morning. Um, and he says this, Oh God, it's actually a prayer. I have tasted thy goodness and it has both satisfied me and made me thirsty for more. I am painfully conscious of my need for further grace. I want more. 
I am ashamed of my lack of desire. Oh God, the triune God, I want to want thee. I long to be filled with longing. I thirst to be made more thirsty still. Show me thy glory, I pray thee, so that I may know thee indeed. Begin in mercy a new work of love within me. Say to my soul, rise up my love, my fair one, and come away. Then give me grace to rise and follow follow thee up from this misty lowlands where I have wandered so long. And what Toza is saying here is that even the desire to desire God, even the thirst to be thirsty for God originates in God himself. And so the third way that we learn to be guided by the Spirit is to cultivate this desire in our heart. The fourth handle is, well, how do we do that? Friends, I want to encourage us to pray. Don't outsource it. Don't. We're going to speak in a moment about people praying for you and laying hands on you. But I first want to say that this desire needs to awaken in our hearts. We can't outsource it to anybody else. This is, this is personal worship. Being before God with, with a music playing or if you play an instrument, playing an instrument, crying out, saying, God, just saying, God, I want more of you. I need more of you. Give me the desire to desire you. These things are not concurrent. They're not, they're not, you do this, then you do that, then you do that. These are all happening simultaneously that we're learning throughout our lives to be more obedient to the word of God. We're learning to posture our lives in a way that shows our obedience and shows our desire for God. So I don't want you to see it like a checklist, but I'm, I'm trying to help us Create something of a grid that you can look at your life. I can look at my life and we can say, are these things happening in my life? And if they aren't, I want to challenge you this morning that this is being guided by the Spirit. This that we're looking at is what it means to be guided by the Holy Spirit. The fifth handle that I want to speak about is to ask people you trust to pray for you and to lay hands on you. We see Paul writing to Timothy and he says, Timothy, don't neglect the gift that was given to you at the laying on of hands. And so we see this something of a passing on of batons or of gifting that God imparts through the laying on of hands. It's quite mysterious, but we see it modeled all through the New Testament. Acts chapter 8 says this in verse 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had, not, had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers and they received the Holy Spirit. Now let me ask you, are these people that are being written about in Acts true believers? Well, look at how the author Luke, look at how he describes them. They had accepted God's message. He says, these new believers, he says of them, they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, I think it's incredibly obvious that these are true believers in Jesus Christ who have, as we've already discussed at point one, the Holy Spirit inside of them. You cannot come to salvation without the Holy Spirit. So what are they then receiving here? 
What are they receiving with the laying on of hands? Why do Peter and John come down specifically to lay their hands upon them? And it tells us here in verse 17, they laid their hands upon these believers and they received the Holy Spirit. Now it carries on and says, when Simon, who was the, the local town sorcerer, when he saw that the Spirit was given, when the apostles laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy this power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. Now friends, this this is what the Bible speaks around the baptism of the Spirit. It's the additional outpouring. Now, I don't think we need to focus on the, the method of how that happens. And, you know, is it a second one and only a second one? I believe it's a, you, you get filled a second time, a third time, a fourth time, a fifth time, a 500th time, a thousandth time. And I believe that the emphasis needs to be on what our lives look like when we have received the Holy Spirit, not constant conversations around how we receive him and who's right and who's wrong and I think the Holy Spirit is much bigger able to burst in on our lives in such a variety of ways that the actual auditing should be around do we have him do we have him in an ongoing way filling our lives with joy with love with kindness these are the signs of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our lives the sixth thing I want to say the sixth thing I want to say is learn his ways who is the holy spirit how does the holy spirit work and i want to contend that the best way to do that is to turn to god's word read the word of god how how profound is it that god left over thousands of years left a clear instruction on who he is a clear look into who god is and yet so many of us neglect this word and it sits on our bedside table collecting dust the precious word of God now I want to just say right now that I know that this this understanding around the Holy Spirit and grappling with it so many of us have seen it abused and so the the correct thing to do when we see abuse is not to swing to a position of non-use it's to ask how do we correctly use how do we correctly view this thing or whatever it may be and so when it comes to the Holy Spirit I know that there's uncertainty I know that there's been abuses that we've all seen within the charismatic movement and other movements and I want to say it's just as much an abuse to to completely shut out the work of the Holy Spirit we need to use it we need to swing the pendulum back into the middle and correctly correctly view the person of the Holy Spirit and so I want to encourage you if you're in that place where you're not sure the best place to turn is to Scripture then I want to say secondly in this learning his ways is ask us we'll point you toward resources there's some wonderful godly credible teachers don't just go and find someone random on on YouTube and start watching them and absorb what they say come and ask us we'll help you with helpful resources to world towards learning his ways and all of those resources should be rooted in and pushing us back toward scripture the seventh handle that i want to give us this morning is that as we're learning his ways we need to start practicing 
We need to start practicing being guided by the Spirit, living in the Spirit, walking with the Spirit. So Galatians 5, the text that we read this morning, I read it in the New Living Translation. If you read it in the ESV, it's a little bit more obvious. The kind is like this, I wouldn't call it a progression, but he uses these phrases. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit. And then a little bit further on in verse 18, he says, you are led by the Spirit. Then down in verse 25, it says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And the point that I'm wanting to make is that it's, it seems obvious when you look in on this text that there's a, a growing and a, a walking out and a learning what it is to really be guided and to live life guided by the Holy Spirit. And so my encouragement to you is that it's going to take patience and we need to practice. So literally, we need to learn to hear and follow the small prompts of the Holy Spirit. And guys, here's the reveal, right? We're going to get it wrong sometimes. So if I look over the last let's say eight months or so of my life, I can think of distinct moments where I've got it wrong around hearing the Holy Spirit. I was driving one day from Paradise Cliff Engine and I was going to Stellenbosch Square and I saw a lady carrying so many shopping bags and I just felt something in my spirit around stopping and helping her but I was already gone past her and I went all the way up to those Dazalza robots, turned around it to go all the way back to Engine Garage and as I came to this lady, she turned off and her house was just off the road and so I, I thought well I must have misheard the spirit she didn't need help with her groceries maybe he was seeing whether I would be obedient but but I definitely heard wrong she didn't need any help with her groceries and and then I think of another moment just after lockdown and I went into a shop looking for a very specific bulb and I'd been sent all over town and eventually I ended up in this little pokey shop in the middle of Stellenbosch and I found this globe and as I was there in the shop I just felt such a, a prompting in my spirit pray for her and I said Lord I don't know this person I've never seen her I don't even know what they believe so I, I just started a little conversation and, and I was feeling afraid to be honest and then I just found my courage in the Holy Spirit and I said to her look I, I don't know what you believe but could I pray for you and I just began to pray and it was one of those moments where I just felt like the Spirit was praying through me. It was just words that I hadn't thought of and I, didn't, I was saying things about her life that I, I didn't know. And as I looked up and I opened my eyes, I was, I was kind of terrified, you know, like, what, is she going to be staring at me like I'm crazy? She was just weeping. She was just weeping and I knew that the Spirit in that moment had deeply touched her life. And this is... Just examples from my own life of how we guided by the Spirit. And sometimes we get it wrong because we're practicing. And then there's these other deeply encouraging moments where we just know that the Spirit has worked through us. And guys, I've, I've been doing this for years. I've been trying to walk in step with the Spirit, hearing the Spirit, seeing what Scripture says. Does it line up with Scripture? And I just want to encourage us that it is difficult, but it's beautiful as we grow it. And don't despise the day of, of small beginnings when those little green shoots are first coming up in our, in our lives. Don't despise those days. Let me say eighthly, and this is a, such a vital one for me, seek the person of the Spirit, not the experience. Guys, this is, this is the grid we need to take to our lives and the audit that we need to bring to our lives when it comes to are we, are we walking in step with the Spirit. Is, we cannot attach it to 
experiences that we have and say, well, yes, I know that I'm walking with the Spirit because I had this experience here and I fell over there and I had the shakes there and I had uncontrollable laughter here. And I really truly believe that most of those are genuine experiences of the Holy Spirit, which then have false counterfeits, which come against them. But that is not the measure. The true, the true measure of the Spirit at work in our lives is, are you growing in love? This is the fruit of the Spirit. Are you more kind than what you used to be? Are you experiencing more joy? Are you experiencing more self-control in our lives? And I'm concerned that if we look to the experiences and not to what the Word of God clearly teaches, this is the fruit of the Spirit, then we have a misunderstanding and we can think, wow, I'm walking in the Spirit. Just yesterday I spent two hours on my face in worship. And those are good things and I love them and I regularly experience the Holy Spirit in my life. I experience Him. I've fallen over under the power of the Holy Spirit. I see it in God's Word in the Old Testament where it says the Spirit came upon the priests and they couldn't stand. I've experienced what that feels like. I have moments where I feel joy, just supernatural joy. It's not earthly joy. It's not like win the lottery joy. It's much more beautiful, exploding inside of me. There's other times where I just weep, sometimes even just joyful weeping. And there's these weird contradictions that I don't feel in my normal emotions. And so God does work in those things. But those things are the springboard to what I want to say in the ninth point, and this is the final handle that I want to share with us this morning, is that I believe the true way to gauge the, the guiding and the, and the working of the Spirit in our lives, and if we are growing in maturity, is to ask for the change or to, to look for the change that it produces in our lives. And so those experiences for me are springboards they springboard us into additional change and growth and encouragement and witness, being able to, you know, courage to share the word of God with others around us. And so that is where I'd like to end in, in the sense that how we are guided by the Holy Spirit. Are you more loving? Are you more peaceable? Are you more kind because of the experiences that we have with the Holy Spirit? Or is it some kind of self-gratifying, selfish way of viewing the Holy Spirit where we, we want Him just for the, the tinglies and the feelings and we actually then don't really want to grow in our lives? And so, friends, I would be very cautious to just say, that's not of God, that's not the Holy Spirit, that's not of the Holy Spirit, just because of the outward manifestations. I don't believe we should box the Spirit, I don't believe we should box God. He can do as He wants. The, the place where I would say that we need to be judging the fruit is to say, well, what change is happening in these people's lives? And sometimes we can see profound experiences that someone may have and their life really changes. I am not bold enough to say that is not the Holy Spirit. And then conversely, we see someone standing silent and still before God. And something tremendous changes in their life. And that is just as valid an experience of the Holy Spirit. Guys, let's, let, me, let me ask. Can you imagine what a community would look like? Who got hold of being guided by the Spirit. Or walking in the Spirit. Living life in the Spirit. Keeping in step with the Spirit. Can you imagine a community who was auditing themselves on, are we more loving, gracious, kind, self-controlled, faithful, gentle toward 
one another. Man, I, I just think of COVID and everything that we've experienced in this year. Guys, to our shame, some of the mature believers, some, some who don't know better, perhaps we can just say, hey guys, let's help disciple you here. But I've seen so many mature Christians who seem to be uncaring, unloving, ungracious, unkind, unself-controlled around our responses to wearing masks and loving others and just with our mouths saying silly things. Guys, we as a, as a, as a gospel community, we should be saying the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy, it's, it's peacekeeping, it's kindness. And so even if we don't believe certain things around the vaccine or certain things around COVID and whether you think it's just a bad flu, which it isn't, but you might think that. And if I think the other way, which I've just now demonstrated on camera, actually we've got to be so kind and thoughtful toward one another. That's the instruction of Scripture and that's a, that's a mark of maturity in our Christian lives. Friends, as we go into Christmas season, and many of us would be going to be with family and with loved ones, let me provoke you a little bit and ask you if what your family really needs this Christmas is a dispute around Black Lives Matter or the American election and whether it should have been Trump or Biden or whether your family really need a dispute around the vaccine or whether what they actually need, what they actually need to you to bring to that family moment is displaying the fruit of the Spirit. And when anyone else is shouting their mouth off, you love loving and kind and patient can I just put my hand up right here and say that I'm part of a family with very differing views on these kind of things. And just two weeks ago, I failed so dismally in a conversation like this. I, I was having a conversation with my dad and we disagreed around some stuff and I, I showed so little self-control. I, I showed so little love and peace and patience and kindness in that moment. And we have to, I have to come back and I have to say sorry to my dad and I have to then... Also before the Spirit, just say, Spirit, teach me, guide me. I want to walk. I want to, I want to walk in your ways. I want to keep in step. With, and even when we, I'm not saying we can't have these important conversations, but when we do, it's the posture that we come with. Are we coming with love, kindness, joy? Christmas is a time of great excess around the world, excess of consumerism, excess of alcohol, excess of food, all sorts of things. Uh, we go into a difficult environment with family relationships and it's often tetchy and, and there's a lot of angst and, and harsh words said or unkind words said or maybe even just if you like me, as I go on holiday after a busy year and a stressful period, I often find I'm more prone to angry outbursts towards my wife and my kids. I almost feel like I have a, a week or so where there's this, this period where I just am almost reorientating. My body feels like it's reorientating into rest. I don't know how better to describe that, but maybe if you've experienced that, you know that too. And so there's a time of much temptation at Christmas and I want to I want to encourage us as we close out our year friends what are we what what are we going to let guide our lives what are we going to let guide our lives and if the spirit is guiding our lives then I want to encourage us with one more reading of Galatians 5 and I'll just read verse 22 to us 22 and 23 but the holy spirit produces this 
kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Let me pray for us. Father, as we have our last Sunday service of 2020, Lord, of all the things that have happened this year, all the ups and downs, the things we're ashamed of, the things we're proud of, the struggles that we've had, the joys that we've had, the sermons that we've heard, the times we've gathered together in person, the times we've been scattered in this online way. Father, I pray that ringing in our ears would be this question of whether we are allowing the Holy Spirit in our lives in an increasing way. We better demonstrate to the world around us, where we better demonstrate to our family and our children and our work colleagues and those that we study with, an increase of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. We don't try and do this in our, in our own selves, striving. No, we look to exactly what we've been studying in the last two weeks, that the Holy Spirit is the one who changes the very desires of our heart and gives us desires that are opposite to our old sinful nature. So we don't cling to our own life raft. We, we cling to you and say, "You can you do the change, please, Lord, in our hearts. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Friends, I want to thank you for this year. I want to thank you for being with us as a community online and all the varieties of, of what we've done and the quick changes we've had to make and, and going through the different decisions that they've been hard to make, to be honest. And I just want to thank you for being part of One Hope, for your love, for your support, for your financial generosity, for your care, for us as a family, for us as a, as a leadership. Guys, you're an amazing, amazing church. And I thank God for you as you go into the season i pray god's rest on you we'll be praying for you that you are rested and full of god's joy as we come back into 2021 and face another uncertain year with a lot of things still up in the air as we reflect on this sermon this morning and on this passage we're going to worship together just a few songs of praise and I encourage you to just think through what we've been speaking about last week and this morning and the rest of our year. And just let God push some of these things a little deeper into our hearts. God bless you. Love you guys.